0: This episode of Blue Shirts Breakaway is brought to you by you, the fans. That's right. Go to patreon.com slash blueshirtsbreakaway today to act now and become a sponsor in August. That's what you're looking to do. Sponsor a hockey podcast in August. Don't lie to yourself. Today we have Ishan Thru of the Washington Post on. He has been our global politics informant before. And uh, today we're going to talk a little bit about if Saudi Arabia could buy an NHL team. Or exactly what is the plan for when they're buying all the players from world soccer, and if it could happen in the NBA. It's a really interesting conversation, and I always really appreciate Eshawn's worldview, which is his newsletter that you should su- uh, subscribe to. Just saying. On top of that, Greg and I talk about the Eric Carlson trade, and Alabama boat fight, and a bunch of other stuff. So without further ado, here's Mark Messier. Hi, everybody.
1: It's Mark Messier, and you're listening to Blue Shirts Breakaway, the number one Rangers podcast.
0: Welcome to another little the bushes breakaway. I am your host Ryan Mead. I'm here with my co host Ray Kaplan, and we are going Alabama riverboat fighting. <laughs> <laughs> which, which, which was your favorite name? Michael B. Phelps, that's, Scuba that's Gooding Jr.? So good. Or Aquamane? Uh, they're all good. The whole video is just fantastic. Uh, if, if, if anybody good. hasn't, um, if anybody's into this sort of thing, there's really not a lot going on <laughs> on Twitter these days. But last week, some, uh, some person fell down a slide, and then I saw a million. Articles what do you mean, on the, some person It was a, cop a, a, a law enforcement fall, fell down a slide and I saw a million videos of trying to recreate it. Some people going down it very nicely, some people not so much. Um, never had more interest in a slide in my life. But the flavor of the week this week is Alabama. Uh, <laughs> there was a boat trying to dock and some uh-huh. uh, some gentlemen. Uh, decided that they weren't going to move their boat to have this tourist. Boat I think. To come now in. hold
1: on. Let's let's call them what they are. Sunburnt. When
0: when the whole uh, exchange starts and the man is swimming across the channel <laughs> to, to come un- up a security unclear guard. That he
1: lost the shoe in the swim. By the uh,
0: way, un- just uh, a security guard who is getting ganged up on in a big way. And I don't uh, know if this guy knows him at all. But the fact that he just jumps to the water and goes into it, Greg. The whole three minute movie is. Uh, it's better than most action films. No,
1: did you see the four minute prequel? Because I've seen the four minute prequel.
0: I did not see the prequel. Oh yeah. So this oh, all no. starts
1: this all starts because the unruly blanks that you won't let me call them, <laughs> even though we are members, <laughs> uh, they parked their boat the illegally. college boys, kinda of like college gentlemen, it looks they like. They're too fucking old to be college. <laughs> okay, some of them are pretty old. <laughs> also, again, we're talking about Alabama, all right? Odds okay. of it being college minimal. All right. um, we're a lot of shit anyway, about they parked their boat illegally it looks like in the spot where this riverboat typically docks and yep. the, all the security guard is trying to do is one find the people who park this boat here illegally right. he's and then, doing two, his them job to, he just wants them to move and yep. you can tell by how animated and how pissed off he gets in the prequel he <laughs> is fucking pissed so you just know one of the sunburns said something that you're not supposed to say to a security guard who probably happens not to be african-american
0: what he threw his hat greg
1: oh it's it's like it's it that the throwing of the hat is what i assume the bishops do when they announce a new pope like before they before they light the fire i assume one of the popes is just in one of the bishops is just in there being like heads up he like he said that thing so high it says if like that's the bat signal we're going in we're off and then right it's better than
0: 11 or 9, like, so, so, some ridiculous amount of WWE segments over the last year. Like Ryan, I've
1: never seen a man use a chair like that since fucking Prime Edge and Christian doing it's the It's just so Cold
0: Steve Austin shit. But, it is oh, unbelievable. That man,
1: now, that man, the cops were fine with this man brutalizing the two other men with the chair. It's I, when I think- he... Gob smacks this elderly woman who's already on the ground. <laughs> that the cops like, all right, we'll arrest somebody. I did enjoy that. It was like,
0: okay, the chair is too far. The
1: fu- <laughs> <laughs> but then did you see? Did you see the cops tackle the woman who
0: came over to see what the hell was going on with the man that uh, with the chair? I, I, I did. There, it, this it is like we we're watching the a film. It oh is, my God. there's so much going on.
1: I there, there, I want to have grandkids just to tell them about this video.
0: <laughs> Children, let me tell you about August fifth, two thousand twenty-three. <laughs> Oh, God.
1: It just – it was amazing. I've never experienced a viral moment moment quite like that in my life where yesterday afternoon I started seeing stills of the dude with the chair.
0: I was confused. Um, I didn't know what it was. And then this morning I saw the full video and I went – I'm not usually, uh, full disclosure, not really surprised. Not usually a big fight video guy. I know there's uh-huh. many, many, many Twitter video like uh, accounts that are like, look at this crazy fight. I'm not usually that guy. This one's worth watching. <laughs> this one is 100% all. It's John Wick 7. It really it's been is. A,
1: it, honestly, tough weekend for SummerSlam, which is the third most talked about fight from the weekend.
0: Because in the number two spot is Tim Anderson getting his face rocked. Dude, I watched a little bit of the Jake Paul match. It was as boring as anything I've ever watched in my life. It's Uh, like Nate Diaz got off the couch for the fight. That's exactly what happened. That's exactly
1: what happened. To be fair, that's how Nate Diaz fought in the UFC, too. It's never good to book a guy to do something that he's not technically trained to do, which is box, when his strategy for UFC was absorb so much power his opponent would get tired. That was
0: his entire strategy his, as, a, as a cage fighter. His entire strategy versus Jake Paul was keep his hands by his side and walk directly into Jake Paul. Yeah, <laughs> that was his strategy in the UFC, <laughs> but the
1: difference is he used to like be able to kick.
0: I don't even know what happened at SummerSlam.
1: That's how, that's how
0: lackluster it was.
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean, I don't even know what happened at SummerSlam, and I'm Great. a guy that typically knows what happened. I know what happened. I know what happened in one of the matches. Seth Rollins retained.
0: That's all I know. Great. Good for Seth. I like Seth a lot. Anywho. I guess there's been a hockey trade. Oh, was there? I guess so. Well, who, yeah, who in the hockey trade was the
1: dude with the stairs? Who in the hockey trade was the security guard throwing I his in the was was the chair I think Kyle was the chair guy. I think Kyle was the chair guy. I don't know. So here's the thing. Let, let, let's look at it from this angle. What's the most valuable asset moved in this trade?
0: It is Carlson, but is it? I think you can make a case for the first uh, one of the first round picks.
1: Yeah, I think it's the first round pick. I do. I know a lot of people are taking a shit on the Sharks for not getting any value. Here's the thing. I actually
0: don't think the Sharks did so bad here. I I don't know what, I don't know how they were supposed to do better. Am I hot taking? It's not like Eric Carlson's contract is very team friendly. It's also anybody. Now
1: I'm famously the guy that said, I have no problem with Eric Carlson winning the Norris last year. And I don't, I think when you look back on last season, the most notable performance from a defenseman last year was Eric Carlson. Now, The smart people, and I don't say that derivatively, I mean that fully, the smarts would say Eric Carlson was abhorrent defensively, which it's hard to give the best defenseman award to someone that is a net negative defensively. Uh, And that still remains true for Eric Carlson. He is not good defensively. So if he's not putting up 120 points for the Pittsburgh Penguins, I don't think he's going to be an effective Pittsburgh Penguin. So I don't think it's crazy to say the best piece moving in the deal is whatever first-round pick the San Jose Sharks got for Eric Carlson. And, oh, by the way, they no longer have to pay fully Eric Carlson.
0: I I think getting off of Eric Carlson's full contract when the Sharks are legitimately trying to rebuild, and like I don't think they're going to do an on-the-fly rebuild either, which makes their hurdle signing even more confusing at this point. Uh, but getting off of Carlson is, is valuable enough where it's like, okay. Like, they were... Two years ago, you couldn't have done this trade, right? You couldn't have traded Carlson. No,
1: no one would have taken him. Frankly, Ryan, in six weeks, you might not be able to do this trade because all it takes is one Eric Carlson hiccup in training camp, and all of a sudden, every team's going to be like, "Oh, right, he is a liability defensively and injury prone."
0: Which is weird because I I do find the Dubis experiment uh, interesting because his big four now is Sidney Crosby, Malkin, Latang, and Carlson, and that's Uh, sort of what he's.
1: I know he's going to win the 2014 Stanley
0: Cup. I know those are all amazing players. And Sidney Crosby is, is great for a reason. And I'm sure he'll be good again, but all it takes is one or two of those guys to not have the year they're supposed to. And you are in deep shit very quickly. Well, I just, what year is Eric Carlson
1: supposed to have? Now I will say this as well. Eric Carlson's in this weird class of athlete where logically speaking, I understand he's not, he's just the name. I get it in my head. He's just the name, but I put him on the Chase Utley level of late career Chase Utley, where that prick was also just the name. But for whatever reason, I hated facing him, didn't want to face him, and feared he was going to do something special against my team. Eric Carlson's going to hit the hockey equivalent of 220 with a 84 WRC+. But against the New York Rangers, I'm expecting him to have 15 points and a plus 7 plus minus. He will kill the Rangers. Yeah, it's just what I expect. I, I expect him to play the other 31 teams, 32, the other 30 teams like the scrub Eric Carlson probably is at this point in his career. Great career, sapped away by injuries. It's unfortunate. Happy he got a lot of points last year, but he got a lot of points on a really bad hockey team, and the team was really bad, partially because he sucked at the prime prime responsibility of his job. At the same time, when he plays against the New York Rangers, I promise you, that man fountain of thing it.
0: real big. He's going... And we've seen it before, which is what makes it so sad. When the, Before the Rangers started the rebuild, Eric Carlson single-handedly on a broken foot, I believe. Eric Carlson uh, started the rebuild. Yeah, he did. He's the exact reason the Rangers had to start rebuilding. He beat the shit out of the Rangers, and uh, and then they took the Penguins to seven, mm-hmm. which is why he's now playing for the Penguins many years later. Uh, I, again, I saw a lot of people poo-pooing uh, San Jose here and saying, like, oh, I can't believe that's all they got. I don't think NHL trades make sense to me in general, but I agree with you. It is the best asset. Uh, the first round pick. Yeah, but also I just who else was trading for Eric Carlson? Realistically, it could be a, it could be a lottery pick as well, and nobody was. It was like like Vegas can't do it, so that's out. Edmonton um, can't do it. Uh, the
1: Hurricanes could do it, but then they pivoted to what Michael Bunting and Tony D'Angelo. Yep. There, it was there was no market for a Carlson trade, and a big reason why there was no market for a Carlson trade is one, nobody has the money, and then two, quite frankly. Your higher echelon Eastern Conference playoff teams, they're fine on the blue line. Would Eric Carlson make the Bruins better? No. Is he going to make the Rangers better? Shocking to say no. Is he going to make the Devils better? Shocking to say no. Is he going to make the Hurricanes better? No. The Hurricanes, the Hurricanes essentially got Eric Carlson. His name's Tony D'Angelo, who also can't play defense and put up a ton of points offensively. So I... I I don't know. I, I get it, but this is just a, this is a replay of Max Scherzer where everyone's reacting to the name
0: and we're not taking a second to maybe contemplate that this guy stinks. It is one of those situations and he will be making, uh, I know that they got, what was it, 18% salary retained or something like that?
1: I don't know. I just feel bad for Jeff Petrie and all this who somehow ended up back in Montreal. He did. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he did. He tried to escape. He's back,
1: baby. The first uh, article I read today from a
0: Montreal writer too about the trade was, will they trade Jeff Petrie again? I'm sure they will. We'll uh, just try. so just so everybody at home knows, uh, Carlson has four years left on his contract after this year. So he plays. He will be playing for the Pittsburgh Penguins until 2027. It's cool. too long. It's just too long. He was. He might have been washed a year ago, and I know he like healed the injuries and came back. But to just make that bet, look, he, I guess they're just trying to ride into the sunset with Crosby, Malkin, Latang. Like, hey, one last one last dance for four more years situation. Uh, I just don't see it. Like, you're, the Penguins won't be able to get off this Carlson thing if something goes wrong. Period. No, the, no,
1: because if it goes wrong, no, who's going to take him back? The the way it goes, there's there's one way it goes right for Carlson, which is essentially he replicates his season from last year, which was great offensively and terribly defensively. The, there are seven hundred ways it could go wrong. You're you're just tempting fate here.
0: You are, and it. I don't think this moves the Penguins into a. Uh, I don't think this moves them up the Metro standing in terms of am I scared of them or not. I think firmly uh, the Rangers are third place in terms of like what if you want to do like a power rankings on August 7th, whatever it is. I think one and two is the Devils and Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, Hurricanes are just a great regular season team. We've talked about it forever that we're not scared of them in the playoffs. Cool with that. Uh, But then after that, I think it's just us and that second tier and then everybody, Pittsburgh is is right below that in their own. No, I mean... I still don't know who's better between the Penguins and the Islanders.
1: The same questions I, I didn't know who was better between the Penguins and the Islanders before yesterday's trade. And now that the trade's done, I still don't know who's better between the Penguins and the Islanders. I think they're pretty similar. Both teams have fairly high floors where I don't think either team is going to be truly terrible, though. I think there's a chance either team could miss the playoffs, but I also don't think either team could be truly special though. There's at least some line of thinking that, like, if Sorokin goes nuts, the Islanders are going to win 100 points. And if the Penguins get somehow Prime, Crosby, Malkin, and Carlson out of the corpse of what is left of those three, then yeah, something great could happen. What they still don't have is a goaltender. And I still don't think they have anything closely related to a shutdown pairing defensively. And quite frankly, Gensel's already going to miss time this regular season. Once you get past the Crosby line, I'm not necessarily worried about them offensively either.
0: Yeah, and it, uh, I know this is such like a nitpicky thing, but I was surprised they traded Casey DeSmith. Uh, I thought he was a serviceable backup for them. Yeah, but mm. at the same time, there's so many. Like, Yaroslav Halak hasn't signed with the team yet. Great point. Great point. He's much better than Casey DeSmith, and he's out there for he's
1: no he's no worse than just as good as Casey DeSmith. Yep.
0: Yeah hundred percent agree. Well, good for San Jose. Hopefully they can uh, actually get some fucking rebuild going, but the Metro continues to try and become the best. I, I don't know if the Metro has the most talent in all divisions of all sports, but it's gotta be up there. <laughs> I don't know.
1: If it, I don't know if it has the most talent. It has the most trying. I, I, I think the metropolitan division in the, Na, in the national hockey league is the division full of the teams that are actually have a plan or are trying to have a plan. Even the Blue Jackets are trying to win. Yeah, they're trying. They are making an effort. They realize they have no incentive to be bad with the roster that they have. And the Flyers, who are intentionally bad, now understand that they are intentionally bad. Whereas before, they were intentionally bad but thought they were good, and I love that. Now they seem to understand they stink, and there's a benefit to that, and they're using it to their advantage. The closest combination to this is probably the American League East. Where the Blue jacket? oh, the New York Yankees are the Blue Jackets of baseball? There's no benefit to the Yankees being bad, and yet they are.
0: Uh, yes, the same with the Mets. It's like unbelievable. <laughs>
1: well, Both that's teams. why I said American League East. I didn't say I shit about it. The National Sorry. League East my, is what my, it is. My apologies. National League <laughs> East has the Washington Nationals who are downright terrible, and they have the New York Mets who understood they were terrible and now are trying to buy their way to being better.
0: They are. Uh, in, in, Except in, for Brett
1: Beatty, who fucking blows.
0: In the right way, at least. Again, the Mets were doing the right thing to try and become better in the future, where the Yankees were not. If the Mets the were right doing
1: thing. the right thing, they would have traded Brett Beatty.
0: Uh, I don't know if there was a market.
1: If, not only sure. there was, if only there was a time where there was a man on a podcast when there was a market to trade Brett Beatty. Maybe when he was universally ranked as a top 20 prospect in baseball. You've been
0: trying to trade him for the last three years. Every three, season, years three years, Ryan. Three <laughs> yes. years. You have been trying to do that. It is, is it really because funny. because he's not good? It is really funny when you see like these universally ranked guys that are like 40 or 50 and they finally come up and you've seen them for like a year or two and you're like, Oh, that guy kind of stinks. Mm-hmm. Like, huh? Huh? I guess we could have got something for that. That's mm-hmm. interesting. Like, uh, not, not to, not to just air bomb Quinn Priester here, but Quinn Priester was like a top 60 uh, pitcher for the Pittsburgh pirates forever. Oh, he's yeah. And he stinks. He's bad, bro. <laughs> like, uh, I remember, uh, I'm going to do one more baseball name. Jackson Cornwall. I think it was. Or Core War Jackson. He was uh, at one point like a top 30 pitcher for the Royals. He came up, he got shelled three oh, times. Oh Co- Koar? Yeah, Coar. Yes. Yeah. He had like a 1.4 ERA or something in AAA. Came up, got shelled three times, is now out of minor league baseball. That was last <laughs> year. That was last year. He's well, done. To,
1: I don't I don't think I mean the Royals also the Royals for a team as bad as the Royals, they should be better about managing their prospects. They're atrocious with no hope. At least the A's have a couple guys. Not you got you got to look hard, and they're super young. But at least the A's have one Luis Morales just hanging around Mason trying Miller. to be that That's guy. Yeah, the
0: Royals have fucking nothing. Like nothing, they, they nothing. <laughs> it's crazy. It was like Hosmer, mostakis all these guys. The golden era for them, and then it all went away. Really, they have Bobby Witt Jr.
1: and hopes and dreams. And I say this as a fan of a baseball team that just got swept by the Royals. So mm-hmm. it's. It's not like I can necessarily throw anything, but they have they don't have a single top one hundred prospect. Not a that's one. So sad. Really, really
0: and they, They've sad. been bad for five years. They don't have one. They didn't hit on one. You didn't figure this out. It's been, <laughs> you guys have been bad since you like the the year after the World Series. That's that's been it. They hit on Bobby Witt, and that's fucking it. And that was the 2018 draft. Yeah, crazy, bro. That, this is, what this are comes we doing? back to like, when we're talking about just drafting in general. The more and more I, th- I look at drafts, and the more like, I just think it's so. No, random. but that, that's the thing, Ryan. The Royals draft plan was we're going to go low on our top 10 pick
1: to spend big later. So they intentionally don't take the best player available at their slot, and then they bet on high school arms that they just think they know more than, and nothing works. Like, remember the, the Kumar Rocker Met Draft? The whole reason Kumar fell to the Mets is because the Royals took some no-name New Jersey pitcher who sounded Italian.
0: Oh, yeah. It's from New Jersey. So,
1: <laughs> that makes sense. Oh, I did say the same thing twice there, didn't I? You did. You did.
0: Uh, I'm Italian. I could say that. <laughs> Good. Shout out to my family that uh, left me. Anyway, uh, point is. Uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins and and the Metro, just in general, top to bottom, everybody seems to try, no matter what. And finally, the only team that's going to be bad this year. I actually think CBJ is going to be pretty frisky. All of a sudden, uh, they're not going to win a did lot of games. It, did
1: you just shorthand Columbus Blue Jackets for CBJ?
0: Yeah, why isn't that isn't that bad? I don't know. Is Something it, the way you said it made it CBJ. Sound yeah, it's I weird. I didn't like it. Okay, I, like <laughs> it. I think the Blue Jackets will be frisky, and uh, at least the Flyers are going to win some games on accident. They're just, they're just going to wait for Mitch Cobb to come over. That's that's their whole plan. Hey, their whole co- plan is wait for Mitch Cobb. What color jersey do the Rangers wear on the road? Uh, is it white?
1: Yeah. I couldn't say that word earlier, but you can say it now. <laughs> <laughs> I got you to snort on a podcast there, huh? <laughs> that was good. That it, leave that and, one in i just want people to be completely clear about what was
0: bleeped out earlier in this podcast <laughs> well you said blanks and now it's way funnier <laughs> 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 it's way funnier uh, that's a good uh, podcast that's a good call back there good job we have, we have a good time here um I want to do five stars now. Like, I don't know what else to talk about. Lafayette still hasn't signed. It's fucking. Are you, are, are you freaked out? Cause I'm still not freaked out. I couldn't, my panic level is zero. I think the contract has been signed and they haven't announced it. I just so,
1: don't know what the, what's the point of signing the contract today versus the end of the month.
0: I don't think it matters either way. I, nobody's, I don't. Yeah. I don't nobody's, know. nobody's doing that. Oh, I, we should mention that the Rangers hired a new skating coach at least. We should hey. at, least, at least do that. Yeah, he's place. got,
1: I think he's got ties to Gabe Perot, which makes a lot of sense when you think Correct. about it. Uh, and the people people being worried that the old coach is still technically within the organization. I think Tom Ertz said it best in our insider chat where how many times have we seen Chris Jury reshuffle a guy out of a position and within a year that guy's out of the organization. It's kind I of one of ten, those.
0: 10 plus times at this point?
1: Yeah, it's kind of one of those, you, we're going to pay you anyway, so we're not going to fire you Uh, But once you're out of your contract, we're not going to rehire you type deal. And then my other thing, and maybe someone listening out there probably knows what the fuck a developmental coach does for a hockey team. But Ryan, quite frankly, may I ask,
0: what the fuck does a developmental coach do for a hockey team? I I know what they do in baseball. I think we've talked about this um, a good amount in the past. It's like Tenderglass's job isn't to tell these kids how they're going to play hockey. It's more to tell them about like the lifestyle and how to manage their life while playing hockey and developing than being like hey this is how you shoot and skate it's 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 more about how to handle the actual life of it than anything else yeah that, sure and they that's, get to practice that's what and Jed
1: like ortmeier it. for sure focuses in as well it's just i know i know the principles of a developmental coach on a baseball team like the roving coordinators those are dudes where all of your prospects that you have for a baseball team are under one system they are in your farm system so you go from affiliate to affiliate to affiliate working with individual players and sometimes the coaching staff as a whole to send an organizational message for how you want certain players to be developed what you want them working on the tools that you need them to work on so on so forth it makes sense from a baseball standpoint because every prospect that you have to be working with is under contract with your team whereas in hockey like You're not going to go to Providence college to tell the kid that the Rangers drafted in the fourth round to play a certain way. If that's not how Providence wants to play, you're not going to go to Europe to work with your Swedish defenseman to play a certain way. If that's not what the Swedish league coaching staff wants to do with that player, you could really only control what's going on in Hartford. And even there, half of the Hartford roster aren't even prospects. They are dudes who just happen to be playing in Hartford as they try to get an NHL contract for themselves. So, I I just – I don't know why we call them developmental coaches because they are developmentally not doing shit.
0: We've got two five-star questions this week, so we're just going to do them now. Okay. Um, And then we'll get to Eshawn in a couple minutes after that. Uh, This first one is from uh, Milwap. I'm pretty sure his name is Paul. He said, please don't try and pronounce my name. Okay, there we go. Uh, Greg, Greg, now that one of your teams warned you Mm. and their fans are uh, of a retooling with a letter and another team of yours did not, do you feel that the letter was a good move by Rangers management? Well, I, I not to rebut this person, but he well, did release your, a letter. Is your name Greg? No, sorry, go ahead. Okay. Go Thank ahead, you. If the Mets uh, follow the Rangers playbook, it's now is it now the time to sign a the top free agent on the market, Winky Face? Otani, Otani, Otani. Yeah,
1: Otani's only coming to the East Coast if he wants to come to the East Coast. Um anyway, the thing we love about the letter, and we we remember fondly on it. And I think it, it was really good for what it was. But what makes the letter special is you don't hear from hockey management ever. So the fact that they released a letter stating their intentions, it was an information dump that none of us were expecting and we all appreciated. And I think that is what makes the letter special. I didn't need the Mets to give me a letter because Steve Cohen himself got up to a microphone in June and said, if this team doesn't start playing better, yeah, I'm going to trade everybody. And then when the team didn't start playing better, yeah, he traded everybody. And then Billy Epler got behind a microphone soon after the trade deadline and said, yeah, we're probably not going to spend a whole lot of money on free agents next year, but we're also going to try to be as competitive as humanly possible while developing our young prospects. So I don't need a letter from the Mets. They're telling me their intention because they're getting behind a microphone and saying their intention. I wish... The New York Rangers and every other hockey team did the same thing because the New York Mets realized something the New York Rangers don't, which is that they're an entertainment property. And sometimes the entertainment isn't what the win-loss record is on the field, but sometimes it's just simply knowing what the next season of this show is going to look like. So the Mets said it. God bless them. They sucked. They traded the players who were responsible for the sucking, somehow for better players. I'm happy with it. But no, I, I... I, I, my problem with the letter is not that it exists. It's that we don't hear from Chris Drury. So I don't know what the fuck his plan is ever. I don't need him to tell me everything. Billy Epler doesn't tell me anything. Billy Epler won't even tell me if the Mets are resigning Pete Alonso at this point. He leaves a couple things up to mystery, but i never have to question what direction the Mets are heading because the owner, the front office, and even Buck Showalter understand that a better informed fan base is a smarter fan base. Whereas in hockey, they think they're dealing with the fucking Panama Papers.
0: It is. Uh, you said it best there. Where it's like, John Davidson came out and sometimes talked about things, but not very, very he often. Would,
1: he would take a lot of words to say fucking
0: nothing. That is correct. It's like Gorton was very out and about either. Say they're out and about. Never really happened. So it, it is a different thing. It's totally different. And Cohen has been the most forthright owner in all of sports. Maybe other than Bomber. Um, I don't know. You think Jerry Jones has ever really not told us exactly what Jerry Jones is thinking? That's a really great point. I think, jo- well, we know a lot about Jerry Jones, uh, for better or for worse.
1: Yeah, we know exactly where he was during the integration of
0: Little Rock schools. That's true. Uh, we know a, a lot. I think we know about his shoes as well. Anyway, that's a an we know word. We
1: know too much about the Jones family. Too
0: much. That, that's true. Keeping up with the
1: Joneses. Next but question. We is- also, we knew a lot about Bill Parcells. Like, this is... This truly is something that is only, it doesn't only happen in hockey because you never hear, I don't know what the fuck Leon Rose sounds like, which is a ridiculous thing to say. Yeah, it is weird that we don't know what he sounds like. I have no idea, Ryan. I like—I know what Tibbs sounds like. I've heard him speak. i If you played me an audio recording today of
0: Leon Rose, I would not know it's him. It's really upsetting. <laughs> he's president of ba- basketball operations for, the New, for the New York Knicks. They need. A, a, meanwhile, I think, um, what was the former, uh, Warriors GM that just retired Bob Myers. serious. Yeah. Uh, he goes on like random, like Warriors podcasts. Well, he's, I, <laughs> I think the word like, is he's going
1: to ESPN.
0: Okay. But before that he was, it would be like mid season and, the version of Blue Shirts Breakaway for the Warriors would be complaining, and they were like, "Can we get Bob Myers to come on?" He's like, "Yeah, I'll sit down." It's what? it's
1: surprising he went on those shows, but he was going on those shows because he knew he had a lucrative career as a media member. As soon as he decided to give up the Warriors kick.
0: so there are Again, different motivations. I, it it worked, but it is it, that's another that's just a world I don't live in and I don't understand that mm. Myers could just go on a show and be like, "Yeah, we really like Steph Curry. Here's why we run this." I oh, mean, Aaron okay. Boone
1: goes on a Blue Shirts Breakaway equivalent show.
0: Okay, good point. Good point. Though not Cashman. No. Again, we we talked about this in OT. I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to get into the whole thing again. Where it's like, I don't know what I would ask a uh, jury for, for whatever. Well, do, I would it's ask on, Drury, it's on a lot of
1: things. I don't know what I would ask Laviolette, which was the whole point of OT.
0: Makes sense. One more question. This is from our friend Maddie Jack. A time for reflection. On August 10th, 2020, Ryan okay. mentioned the possibility. I don't. First of all, Maddie... Why you? Why do you know this? <laughs> did you go back and listen? I think uh, he did. August. He probably did. August had 2020. Ryan mentioned the possibility of our starting line in 67 years being Lafreniere, Mika, and Kako. A. Do you think we see it this season? And B. Are you as excited now as you were then to see it? Well, B. Clearly no. <laughs> like by <laughs> like by far clearly no. Where there's absolutely no chance clearly no. Uh, I do. It think is we funny see it that season.
1: line saved Gerard Gallant's
0: job. That's why that's why I do think we see it this season. How long do we see it for? Probably not long? do we see it here and there or a game? And we always like kind of revert back like we'll probably see it in a game in October, maybe one in November, and in April we'll be like, remember when that line came out isn't that wasn't that fun for that one time? Why don't we try that again and that'll be as much as we talk about for that line and I'm not sure where you're at, but that's where I'm at,
1: yeah, I don't know. I'm the idea of Lafreniere, Mika, Kako doesn't necessarily excite me. And I don't know if that's because I'm underwhelmed by Lafreniere at this point or if I'm just in some weird summer malaise. You know what the real problem with this Rangers season is going to be?
0: What's that, boy? Nothing
1: overly new about it. I, I And I realize that's weird to say considering they signed 27 dudes to contracts under a total of $1 million and – they have a new coach and an entirely new coaching staff. At the
0: same time, there's nothing fucking new about the New York Rangers. I, uh, I think I've said this a couple times on this podcast. This summer has felt different. I don't know what it is. I think in the past, there's been like a lot of nonsense we could do. There was a lot to look forward to. And this is the first time we've done this show where I just, it feels like the malaise feeling you just described is ever present and ever constant where there was a lot of, and maybe I'm just not looking for it. Maybe we all aged out of it, and I haven't found like the the hip young kids that are doing it, but there was a lot of nonsense over the past couple years, especially in the summers, for for Ranger content. This year, not so much at all. Well, this year, I think there are a couple factors into how
1: this has happened. One is, I don't think it's fun being on social media anymore just because of all the not-Alabama-Riverboat-fight-
0: non-alabama
1: not outside of that category but every time i log on to whatever the fuck twitter is being called today i have to be bombarded with whatever the fuck twitter is being called today and i i like i don't want to deal with that then you added the fact that new york sports somehow collapsed just in a heap collectively we go back to a, a podcast we do with Fitz in april where the three of us are sitting around giggling like kids and shit talking about how great and the rise of New York sports is back with the Yankees, with the Mets, with the Rangers, with the Knicks. And then what happens? The Knicks crash out of the playoffs. The Rangers crash out of the playoffs. The Mets crash. The Yankees crash. And now we're all here sitting, wondering aloud if our saving factor for New York professional sports is Daniel fucking Jones. Like that's not... Aaron (laughs) Rodgers, yeah. I mean, at least with the Jets, it's chaotic. And that's It's still the Jets. And that's great. Yeah. I saw way too much of Zach Wilson on my timeline this weekend. And that's fucking annoying. Like, you know, he's not even your quarterback anymore. Stop praising his one long pass that he almost overthrew a wide receiver on anyway. But I don't know. I, I think Eichel's summer, it was a constant talk about Jack Eichel. That's fun. And wh- and the Mets were chaotic good. The Yankees were really good. That's great. Last summer, Aaron Judge was doing his thing. The Mets were winning 100 games. The Rangers did one interesting thing with Vincent Trocheck. And, and they it was, just came off a deep run. Yeah. I just think this summer it's this perfect mix of we're not on social media as much anymore. I don't know if it's because we're old. I quite frankly think it's because social media itself is just a goddamn nightmare. And all of us are quickly realizing how terrible it is. And now the person who owns social media stinks out loud. So why do we want to be on that app anymore? Then add in the fact that your two baseball teams in New York stink out loud. Add in the fact that your Tampa Bay Rays team, we've now learned the Rays didn't save the Mets season. It was the Mets signaling to us that the Tampa Bay Rays were frauds back in May. It's true. It's uh, true. And, like... The most fun things in sports right now are the Baltimore Orioles and Cincinnati Reds, and we can all access those things without being on social media and access that enjoyment without talking to each other about it because nobody's enjoying the same thing anymore. And all I'm saying is go see Barbie. That's it.
0: I think that was... We have nothing else to say. Let's get to you, Sean. (laughs) I was going to make a rebuttal, but there's nothing else. All right. We're going to go to Eshawn. We're actually going to talk about sports washing, which is a super fun topic. And uh, and what and could it happen to the NHL? Could it happen to the NBA? And, and much more. So let's go over to our friend and We'll be right back. Transition. Hey, we're back with our first guest today. We have Ishan Thru. He's the global affair columnist for the Washington Post. He's been on the show many times to discuss such things as Artemi Panarin and, and uh, Russian
2: affairs and many more. Uh, Ishan, how are you? Good to be with you guys. Apparently, there's a tornado about to hit behind me in D.C., but uh, otherwise, I'm good.
0: I love that you are doing this. That's really dedication. I appreciate <laughs> it. You're doing a podcast that you're not getting paid for, full disclosure, uh, to talk to us about a hockey team that doesn't play for two months. There is a tornado, and you were doing that, so I appreciate you a lot.
2: Well, I'm a devoted Lucius Breakaway listener and patron, and uh, it's an honor to be to be not just a fan, but also mumbling at you for a little bit.
0: Uh, It's perfect. So before we before we started recording, we were kind of talking about the descent into mediocrity, mediocrity possibly for the Rangers. Mm -hmm. And the reason I want to bring this up is because before we started talking to you at the end of the at the end of the open here, we talked about how like kind of this summer felt like melancholy, sort of felt down. And part of that was might just be because social media is a hellscape, but part of it is the way the season ended. And even though things are new, things are fresh. They signed a bunch of guys. They have a new coaching staff. It kind of feels like same old, same old head, heading into the next year for the New York Rangers. Are you sort of in that same mold or where are you at in your headspace?
2: Yeah, I'm a bit confused. I think we, I mean, I personally got super excited at the end of the previous season. There was a great playoff run. We weren't expecting it. Uh, it was all gravy. Uh, and we had the sense of still being this kind of young, up-and-coming team. And all of a sudden, we're kind of like an old team now. Uh the whole narrative about the Rangers project being this youthful, exciting one now is is something like, you know, now, now it just seems like the window is open for a pretty narrow period of time and we've signed all these aging, you know, 30-something role players and journeymen and um, it's kind of unclear, you know, what they do to wiggle around their cap issues. It's kind of unclear uh, how good they can be and it's always down to now uh, Lafreniere and Kako uh, becoming something they haven't shown their capable of being yet and so yeah one can only be scared i think for me the main problem is the devils like that psychologically how good they are how exciting they can be has made me kind of miserable about the 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 hockey in general because i just despise it i know greg doesn't care about the devils but i've grown up traumatized (laughs) by the devils and and them being so good them being so smart them being so kind of lucky in the current phase of their rebuild and the ways they've you know, they've inked pretty good long-term deals. Um, invariably, is maybe kind of sad about what the next four or five years of the Rangers may look like as a result. And so we just kind of have to sneak something in before, uh, you know, their hegemony uh, sets in.
1: Well, I will say this it's because, <sighs> This offseason for the Rangers is different from – this is going to shock you, Ishan, of someone who listens to the show a lot. I'm about to make a comparison to the New York Mets. <laughs> What's different about this Rangers offseason from the Mets offseason after the Mets extremely, extremely disappointing and early exit from the playoffs against the Padres is is kind of like like what you were saying, where you go back two years. Yes, we all thought the Rangers, who were up two games to none, had a 2 nothing lead in Game 3 against Tampa Lightning – could have won bigger and better things that season, but everything seemed to point upwards. Uh, the the young kids came to play great. Every Everybody took a step forward. Then you go into the offseason, the Rangers do sign Vincent Trocheck, which itself felt like a necessary upgrade at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then what makes this season feel like a malaise is you go through the entire regular season where everything that could go wrong seemingly went wrong. The Rangers spent a lot of capital, mostly money, at the trade deadline to fix it. Mm-hmm. Then it didn't get fixed, and now their answer to fixing it was simply, we're going to change out this one cog and see if we mix and match around a bunch of the lower r- lower options here and see if we figure it out and just make the team more balanced. Then it might work, but it's a hard sell. You're not going to get the fan base to buy into it. Now you look at the Mets. Crippling disappointment. But they gave us a shiny new object to dangle in our face, Justin Verlander. Um, they gave us something else to be angry about. Jacob DeGrom announcing to the world that he is, in fact, a Florida man and had to get out of New York. And it seemed like the things were pointing up for the Mets because they gave a shit, they cared, they reloaded, they added all these new pieces. This is going to be great. And then it turns out it sure as hell wasn't. And I just think that mindset from Ranger fans who feel like we've been here before and Met fans who have definitely been there before and just the New York fan base as a whole, because even the Yankee fans in this relationship – they got nothing to be happy about either. This just feels like the most depressed time to ever be a New York sports fan, and that's with the Jets trying to cheer everybody up.
2: Hmm. I mean, I, I can't speak to, to the Yankees and Mets fans, but it, it feels massively deflating and underwhelming uh, as a Rangers fan right now. I think part of that is, you know, how excited can you be about a Labulette team? Uh, how excited can you feel about a team that's basically running it back? Um, how, how excited can you feel about a team that, fell on its face uh, in a series that you thought they were in complete control over uh, and then I think you look around the division you look around the conference um, it's not going to get any easier um, you have five or six teams in, in the Atlantic that could consider themselves you know, as good as us um, and uh, I don't know how our division is going to shake up I feel like the Devils and the Canes are significantly better than us and then we kind of have to be a, be a, maybe a i too pessimistic here, but uh, yeah. I
0: I don't think you are. By the way, yeah. I the one the one there's one difference, and this is such a cop out answer, one, so I'm sorry, but if, if you took the rest of the roster that the Rangers had right now, and you were like your goalie is name an average goalie, mm-hmm. I I would be like, okay, you're right. Like there's there's absolutely no chance this team could go on a run, and I just don't I don't see the roster is just not good enough. It's just not strong enough. I understand that. But when you when you look at Igor Shosturkin, and I know these like the the quote unquote like great goalies don't seem to win it all very often, especially in this day and age. You you kind of get by when you have your great centers and such. But Igor can just do it all, and and he's he's a total game changer for this entire roster. If you're if we were just you know playing middle of row goalie, I would say you're right. I think this is a fourth or fifth place team in the metro. But Igor Shosturkin is just a game breaker, and he's the difference.
1: Well, I'll actually go one step further before tapping Ishan back in. I do think. There's, there's a lack of newness for this Ranger team that I think has some people a little bit lower than they should be on this team. If a, if a contending team out West traded for Mika Zibanejad, I think their fan base would be extremely through the roof about it. Mm-hmm. If, if the Colorado mm-hmm. Avalanche all of a sudden traded for Mika Zibanejad, they'd be like, holy shit, we got Mika Zibanejad. If a contending team out West, like the Kings, traded for Chris Kreider, They'd be thrilled about having Chris Kreider. If somebody traded for Vincent Trocheck, they'd be thrilled. You go down the list, Artemi Panarin, Adam Fox, Keandre Miller, even Jacob Truba. I, I think if other teams traded for the players the Rangers had, they'd see it as a huge improvement forward, and they'd see it as an exciting new thing. For us, we've just had these guys for so many years that it, it's, it's getting a little stale. And that's not a knock on the players – but when you have a postseason as poorly as that first round ended for the New York Rangers, it's hard to motivate yourself to stick with the girlfriend that is letting you down quite often.
2: Yeah, and I think, I think there's a certain extent to which we've, yeah, as you said, we've been here before. I mean, I, I feel like there was a long period of time uh, under you know, Vigneault, even in the Tortorelli years, where we, we knew we had a good team. But we always knew that our team wasn't really I mean, that our individual players were never I mean I, were never kind of the superstars elsewhere. Um, you know, Brad Richards, Rick Nash, they're fine, but they're not, you know, whoever it was. They weren't the Crosby's the Ovechkins then. And and I feel like we're just drifting back in that direction. Although, you know, frankly, I'm actually, you know, in my heart I'm 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 not an actual pessimist. I'm kind of an incorrigible optimist and I also have my own kind of fan fiction about how the season's gonna go we're gonna be really good we're gonna you know rack up a pretty impressive uh impressive start to the season we're gonna have Patrick Kane uh come in you know on a very cheap deal uh some way halfway through and then the Minnesota Wild are gonna fi- have a terrible season and they'll trade Zuccarello back to us at the deadline yes um, <laughs> this is great fan and, fiction keep going and, you know we'll maybe 50 percent retained we'll make it work uh, and I'm pumped for all of that happening. So, so let let me let me cap my Rangers comments on that. I I I'm fully on team bring Zook back. I don't care if it's a trade deadline. I don't care if it's next summer. I, I I'm desperate for him to play again with us.
0: Look, I'm not gonna crush your dreams today, but next week on the show I might. Um.
1: <laughs> hey, Eshawn, if it makes you feel any better, yeah. it looks like I'm about to be in a tornado warning too. So you got that going for you, buddy. Yeah. All right, we're all together. Yeah, we're all,
2: we're all tornadoes it, together. Uh, I don't know if you can hear on, my, on on my speaker, but it's it's pretty loud behind me, and the trees and branches you know waving around, and it's it's pretty ominous. Get
1: okay. get a load of this guy. He's got a yard,
0: Ryan.
2: <laughs> no, I, I don't, it's actually a back alley. It's the back alleyway with the trash. That, that, uh, okay. Uh, okay, okay, all right.
0: all right. Well, that backfired on you, Greg. The, the reason we actually brought you on today, other than talk about Rangers and and the future of that, was there's been a lot of. Um, I don't want to say sports-washing, but some of some sports-washing, but also there's been a lot of throwing a lot of money around it at elite athletes that are about to retire in the world of soccer. And part of that is because I think Saudi Arabia is trying to have a seat at the table mm-hmm. when it comes to world soccer powers. And it's gotten me thinking over the past couple of weeks when Mbappe was offered like some $1 billion contract. And, you know, I, and one thing that really kind of, Stoked the flames for me. It was like LeBron James came out immediately. It was like, yo, give me a call. <laughs> like, hey, like if you guys want to offer me this kind of money, think about it. And that was one of the first times I thought, would LeBron James go to not the NBA for a billion dollars? And, and what would that take? And I think this is something you've been covering for a while and like what the, what the long-term game plan is. Like, is it to get viewers? Is it to build a, a league? Is it to build a foundation? Like, mm-hmm. what's the strategy here? And like, could it be turned onto other sports like the NBA in the future? Or could it like could Russia do something like this with the NHL in the future? Who knows?
2: Yeah. Well, let's 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 begin with the Saudis, right? So, what we're seeing right now uh, in terms of how you know what specifically the public investment fund PIF, which is you know, the Saudi sovereign wealth fund. Uh, investment arm what it's doing is essentially the the greatest exercise in bread and circuses in human history uh we'll get to the soccer part but you know as you know they've invested billions already in in golf they they're trying to dominate esports they're getting well they started this with the wwe exactly yeah i was about to say that the wwe uh they're uh you know, piled in on all sorts of sports. And and sports, for what it's worth, is actually just a drop in the bucket of what um, they're spending as part of a much larger project of rebranding under what's been called Vision 2030, which is, of course, you know, Saudi Arabia's crown prince, Mohammed bin Salman, we all know him as MBS, uh, his kind of grand vision and project for this country, which is to ultimately diversify it away from the massive uh, oil wealth that they have, and to do that, uh, there's a big plank of it that involves. I mean, I I, I find the term sports washing a bit a bit simplistic. Um, you know, I think the last time I was on with you guys was before the Qatar World Cup, and the the Qataris themselves got accused of sports washing uh, by doing it. But what do we mean by sports washing? We mean you know an exercise that attracts that that distracts people. From uh, some sort of heinous set of abuses or injustices in your regime, whereas when the Qataris had their World Cup, suddenly way more people in the world started caring and paying attention to, you know, labor rights in Qatar, and and other issues there than they ever ha- would have would have would have otherwise. So it wasn't exactly some kind of you know PR win for them. Um, but to go back to the Saudis, uh, you know, soccer of course is the global sport. The Saudis have a pretty, you know, for Asian standards, a pretty legit league that is competitive, uh, at least in Asia. And, you know, a lot of Saudi teams win the Asian Champions League. And and yeah, they set aside billions of dollars uh, by, you know, this is a project that's been in the works for at least a year. It began with um, the signing of Cristiano Ronaldo last winter, but then it obviously picked up real steam uh, this summer uh, when essentially the Saudi government uh, said, we are creating a fund for the four best clubs in the country to spend basically however much they want on players they want to buy. And, you know, I think it's, we know the list, it's a whole you know roster of very talented but perhaps aging superstars. And then, you know, quite a few other pretty good players who would be competitive in any top league in Europe. Who've decided to take the money, and then they're also now looking at hoovering up younger talent from, say, Latin America and Africa, who in other contexts would have considered going to to European clubs, but now are giving being given the the dangled carrot of Saudi money, and so this is part of a pretty long project, uh, a project that uh, is heavily centralized and controlled by the Saudi state, and they see themselves, uh, you know, creating a league that is going to be interesting to markets elsewhere there. They're going to build a kind of very complicated multimedia strategy of highlights packages and and all sorts of multi-language commentary so they can distribute uh, the games around the world. Uh, they see this as a pretty significant long-term project. Yeah, it's a major PR exercise for Saudi Arabia, but it's also something, you know, a lot of Saudis really give a shit about soccer. And um, it's exciting for them. And, and, you know, I think we can turn up our noses because of, the the nature of the Saudi regime, uh, the kind of open cynicism of how, of a lot of the characters involved in terms of the the dollar signs that are being thrown at them, but it is uh, it is a major rebalancing of the, the sporting world, and it's completely completely upturned, you know, you know, upended uh, the economy of European soccer this summer, right? You know, the way in which uh, all these top clubs in the Premier League, which otherwise is the richest league in in, in the sport, uh, have been able to get rid of certain players, get, get get out of certain contracts because the Saudis came in. It's been a game changer, uh, and and yeah, I mean I, I could keep on talking about it, but but the the comparison here is China, right? And this is you know you mentioned LeBron. The Chinese also care about basketball. They have tried for they tried. There was an era, you know, like, let's say a decade ago, when you know relations with China were a bit better between the U.S. and China, when the Chinese invested heavily in soccer. It was not as centralized as what the Saudis did. It was done through clubs that were owned by state companies who spent, you know, pretty, pretty huge sums at the time on major players in Europe. But within a few years, it, it fell apart because some of these companies went bust, because the Chinese government lost interest, uh, and, uh, and you know, it never really stood up. Whereas I think from what, we, what we're hearing, you know, this is something that's going to be part of how Saudi unrolls its Vision 2030 till through the next decade. And and they're not really going anywhere.
1: Yeah, Isha, I guess the next logical question there, at least from someone listening at home, is do I, I guess the best way to phrase this question is that it's not even so much a question as it is an acknowledgement that I think American sports fans specifically Look Mm -hmm. at what the Saudis is doing, and they they point the finger and they say, oh, that's ridiculous, but it will never happen here. Whereas we have to come to the uncomfortable truth that Saudi money is already here, and whether you want to admit that or not doesn't change the fact that it's here. I think it's very interesting that a lot of American sports fans never confronted how exactly the Dodgers have been funded until Todd Boley all of a sudden took over Chelsea. And English sports fans were pointing out how Chelsea was essentially laundering money through Saudi because that's just ownership giving the ownership at that point. And then we have the recent news that a Saudi group has bought into the D.C. sports landscape through, Mm -hmm. I believe, Mm -hmm. the Wizards and the Capitals, which Mm -hmm. aptly named hockey team to have sent Chesley by yourself into, if you ask me. So I guess the real (laughs) question here is, what do you see the long-term impact of Saudi spending in the big four is it going to make because again it, it the Saudis are to me if you look at the Saudi relationship with the PGA Tour that's different than buying into one specific team and I think the Saudis tried this with Newcastle it's working to varying degrees but then they realized wait we could just bring all these players to Saudi Arabia and this will be right self-controlled from there so I guess what right. Where does this go for the big four? Like, what what do what does a Ranger fan have to confront when it comes to Saudi influence in the National Hockey
2: League? Right. I mean, I, I think it, it's interesting. I, I I would would not worry too much about the Saudis really putting their footprint on all this. They invest in anything they can invest in. Look, there's Saudi investments in Uber. There's Saudi investment in in real estate here in the U.S. There's of course Saudi investment in all range of tech companies. And other ventures in this country. Uh, there's, you know, this the city I live in, Washington, is lousy with Saudi-paid lobbyists. Uh, they are everywhere in this country, and they're a huge part of, you know, there's Saudi contracts that are lining the the, the the wallets of you know arms company executives all over the place. This is a country that has a huge set of interests in the U.S. and the U.S. has uh, made a lot of money as a result of its long history and ties with Saudi Arabia. Uh, now for them i think a lot of the play now is sort of domestic yeah they they will they will find avenues for investment in different leagues here but i think they you know they they really do see what they're doing at home as as the major play partially because they want to see themselves they want Saudi Arabia to become this huge tourist destination um, they're building brand new cities and you know when i said sports are a drop in the bucket of what they're investing what they're investing in is, is just insane mega projects all over the place in that country they're making they spent half a trillion dollars already on setting up this futuristic sci-fi city basically this kind of long line line trench shaped city in the desert called neom that you is shot, supposed so to i be.
0: hate to cut you off but have you yeah. been to
2: philadelphia <laughs> no so I mean, I've, yeah
0: i've been there yeah, a couple of times so you know the roads and how like they're terrible <laughs> yeah like i that that already just makes me jealous. Like I get what they're doing. Like that. Like I can't get the Philadelphia government to fix a pothole, and like <laughs> they're like, we're going to build a futuristic city. So, like I, I see that logic, but I, I think what people are really afraid of is like, are are our sports going to try and go there? Like w- will they try and take an, an NFL team? Like w- what is going to happen? And I know that sounds far fetched, but I also don't think it is.
2: I mean, maybe not. You know, this is a uh, so Saudi Arabia's population right now is thirty three million. Uh, we have it on record that MBS, the crown prince, has some vision of his country going from 33 million people to 50 million people in the next seven years, uh, which is an insane thing to think about. That means he's going to attract uh, lots of investors, lots of migrants, lots of people who, who see Saudi Arabia as an exciting destination to be from around the world
1: uh it sounds and, like you don't I mean, believe in love ishan you don't think that's just going to come naturally is what i'm hearing
2: i mean i really should have said off the top this is uh a regime this is a crown prince who per u.s intelligence uh ordered the abduction and execution of one of my colleagues so you know i i think the uh-huh. listeners yep. should, understand, should understand how i feel about uh what this regime represents and specifically uh what the hubris of this incredible figure in the crown prince uh represents so i mean i I, look there there's a lot to be cynical about there's a lot to be to be kind of appalled by in the way in which uh, this regime operates so I, i i can't really escape that but when we're talking about what they're doing it is it is a genuinely fascinating project and it's the scale of it is is something that it's hard to see. I mean, yeah, maybe there's a future where they will have an NFL stadium in Saudi Arabia. Maybe there's a a future where, you know, the NBA would be incentivized to do an all-star game in Saudi Arabia. Um, The the globalization of American sports is something that, you know, especially as the middle classes in other countries get richer, um, may be, you know, appealing to uh, the people who run uh, the Big Four in the U.S. Um, And, you know, I think ordinary people in, in England have for some years now had to grapple with the fact that, you know, while they love their clubs, there are millions elsewhere around the world who love their clubs too. And that they kind of have to accept the globalization of the Premier League and the ways in which the Premier League also focuses on the, the interests of fans elsewhere. Um, and, and that that, that creates, uh, you know, all sorts of friction and grumpiness, but people live with it because, you know, this, it's a great game. It's a great product. It's a, easily the the most uh, interesting league in Europe uh, and I don't think there are any or there are many English fans even the ones who absolutely resent the the involvement of the oil of oil money and sheiks and oligarchs and Russian and you know Russian Siberian funds and all that um, in the sport who would really want to go back to the days of the 80s or the 70s when you know people were playing on on mud pitches and hacking at each other and it was and there were skinheads in the stands and all that so I think uh, people just kind of grow with it. So, you know, I, I can't say that I imagine the Saudis really being that interested in the NHL, but I think, you know, as the years go on, as as investment comes from different places and gets diversified, we may see that.
1: I think for me personally, um, I think fans that are worried that a, a Saudi regime is going to take over a big four sports team, specifically based... In the United States, as a majority owner, still feels fairly far-fetched, but I I say that reluctantly. because that's generally
2: not their style. They're they're generally kind of behind the scenes. They they are minority owners. They have smaller stakes. They kind of nibble at different pies.
1: Exactly, which is exactly what they did with the Wizards and the Capitals, where I think it's less than 30%, but it's enough for them to have influence, but not enough for them to get the headlines. The thing I'm really, I would say, worried about is the proper term. Ishan, is, you know, we're reading all these stories these days about how ESPN is looking for essentially a financial partner where the future of the big-ticket sports distributor in the United States is fiscally not viable in the streaming world. They are hemorrhaging money for Disney. Disney wants to try to disassociate themselves as much as humanly possible. So my, again, my apprehension is, I can see a situation in which Saudi Arabia comes in, buys a large investment in ESPN to keep it U.S.-based, but they have influence, and the next thing you know is your Saturday college game day between Notre Dame and Stanford is taking place in Saudi Arabia. Like I just, I, That, to me, feels entirely possible, where they become not invested in an American sports team, but they become invested in American sports by simply owning what we used to think as the tentpole of American sports, and that's ESPN. Now, I know we don't watch SportsCenter like we used to, and I know we don't all interact with ESPN like we used to, but they are still the home for a whole bunch of very important events, including, in the coming years, the Super Bowl. And I think if ESPN is put up for sale, like Disney is hinting at it being put up for at least a sizable share... That to me is where Saudi Arabia might come in and be like, "Now that's a good investment," and that's where I think you're going to start seeing a significant difference in terms of the American fan experience with what Saudi Arabia is trying to do in the more global sports.
2: Yeah, it's fascinating, and that's you know that that that's a scenario that isn't as far fetched as it may seem right now. Uh, I, I would say if if, if you see Notre Dame or whoever else you were saying playing in Saudi Arabia, at least it means that. Someone's paying college athletes, so I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't that's, that's not the worst thing the athletes have done. Um,
1: but do no, you want I to talk think... about the disintegration of the Pac 12 today, too? Because I got a lot of takes, uh,
2: I have absolutely no takes. Uh, so no, same, yeah.
0: <laughs> same for OT.
1: I just again, I'm just saying Atlantic Coast Conference is going to have two teams from California.
0: It doesn't make sense. Change the name of the conference. There's a lot of things that don't make sense, Greg. Um, Eshawn. I mean I guess I was guess... Just
2: gonna ask you about watching the championship on on ESPN. Are you watching that? Uh your, your uh, beloved fun, funny
1: enough, because you may have heard Southampton won our first game of the year on ESPN yeah. plus but exactly. I'm being told that not all see I was under the impression in my naive I root for a Premier League team world that all of the championship games <laughs> Jesus Ryan, did you spill something on your keyboard? Yeah, I just did. Okay, yep. perfect. Great. <laughs> uh I was under the impression in this beautiful Premier League living world that every championship game was available on ESPN+, Plus, and I'm now being told it's just a select few. So I don't know how I'm watching Saints games this year.
0: This is the same thing with Peacock. Like, the games that are on TV aren't on Peacock. So if you watch a Big Six team, they're never on Peacock. It's like, good luck. You have to get have a cable login. It's very silly. Um, Ishan, before we let you go, and thank you for taking the time, We, we it would be... Really, a shame if we didn't talk about Arsenal and where you're at right now.
2: Oh, I'm a lot happier about them than the Rangers. Uh, that makes sense. I
0: mean, look, the end of the season last year was really rough, uh, but we all kind of saw it coming, right? The Man City is yeah. inevitable in that, in that sort of way. Right. Uh, right. But that, you got that
1: Community dec- Shield winning Arsenal, by the way.
0: Look, I, um, I checked my but, phone at the 90th minute and it said final. I was like, oh, I feel bad for Arsenal. Later on, I get a notification Arsenal wins. Thanks. Appreciate it. Um, anywho, uh, you guys win the Community Shield, whatever. Where are you at for the season? You got Declan Rice. That's the the team is young. It's fast. It's fun. You have to you have to have a lot of good feelings. Are you, do you think it, this could be finally the year?
2: I think I think it could be the year. I think it's going to be a really awesome season. Uh, I think the, a lot of teams, Liverpool included, who look quite good. Uh, I think uh, Arsenal spending the summer. I've been supporting this team for more than three decades, and I cannot remember a summer that's been as kind of impressive as this one in terms of the way they went about business um even you know compared to the summers where they got people like Pires and and so forth back in the day um so I, yeah i'm excited i think uh, declan rice is great i think the the low key uh sleeper best buy was yuri and timber who is amazing and and already positioned to kind of take over in the defense uh, Saliba's back. He looks great. Uh, yeah, it's it's a good young team. It's sort of at a positive state of its stage of its cycle, um, and it can only improve, which is what's exciting about it. Uh, we'll see. I mean, City is, is impossible to to really uh, bet against, uh, but this league is going to be interesting. There are going to be a, you know quite a few uh, other surprises around the corner. I think Brighton looks really great. Aston Villa look pretty looks pretty good. Uh, so it's going to be competitive. Uh, it's going to be interesting, but I'm, you know, I'm more positive about Arsenal than I have been for probably 15 years, and and yeah, I think I think I, th- I mean I'm not going to say they're going to win it this year, but uh, I think it's it's uh, something that one can be excited about right now. It's well,
0: impossible to bet against Man City.
2: Just impossible. possible.
1: As as an American, Ishan, I have to say, first of all, how dare you? You sold Matt Turner. Rude. That that was yeah. unnecessary. Wait, did that, did that and two, go two sure? can you actually yeah. sell Balogun? Like, I need him to play somewhere. Yeah, I, I saw today that it's done. It's official. Medicals are taken care of, and he's at Nottingham. But sell Balogun. Mm-hmm. I need this. I need the America to finally have a striker worth a damn. And he ain't going to be worth a damn if he's just chilling, playing third team for Arsenal.
2: Yeah, no, I think he's going to go. Uh, there seems to be a bidding. They've been kind of waiting it up because they now finally uh, they've mustered a bidding war for him from three or four different clubs. And I, think that, yeah, he's I saw they rejected
1: ancient. Monaco today.
2: Yeah, and the Inter is in the wings, and I think Inter is going to be the final, Inter in, you know, Inter Milan is going to be the final destination. Um, I, you know, I, I have mixed feelings about it. I saw, I went to the All Star game, the MLS All Star game where Arsenal played. Um, he He's he's not good enough right now for the first team, but he will probably be very good in three or four years, or two or three years. And uh, I hope they they have a kind of buyback clause so they can get him back. But yeah, I think he's 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 the U.S. is lucky to have him, and um, he's he's quite a talent. And he's he also has this kind of arrogance that is is you know sometimes can be a fatal quality for a star for a, a potential superstar. But uh, I think his his he has a kind of swagger and arrogance that's going to serve him well, and it's fun to watch him.
1: Well, let, let's uh, let's end on this note because I think I'm I'm putting you both on the spot. Since I'm just a championship viewer, I'm going to worry about this anymore. Who's getting relegated sure. this year? I need to know.
0: Mm. Uh, I feel bad for Luton Town. I can't imagine they stay up. <laughs> uh the, I I think they literally have to do VIR in like grandma's kitchen. They're I think there's like <laughs> they have like ten thousand seats. Uh Everton goes down finally after these last three years. And uh this last one's tough. I'll have uh Who who what's the other team that just came up? That Sheffield? Is
2: that the Sheffield one? Added, yeah.
0: yeah, I think that's the other one I don't I don't see staying up.
2: Yeah, I, I would say Luton, Sheffield, uh, Sheffield United, and, um, you know, Tottenham, because, you know, the the
1: argument. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I seriously, you can call me crazy, but everything seems to be going poorly for West Ham right now, to the point where Moyes mm-hmm. is threatening mm-hmm. to quit. And I think mm-hmm. if you're at a point where David Moyes is threatening to quit, it's not going to be a good season. I just, I, I refuse to believe it. So I think yeah, West I Ham's saw, a sneaky
2: going down this, contender. Uh, they have this bid for a combined bid for McGuire and McTominay from Manchester United. 40 million. Just the least expiring way you could spend the Declan Rice money. But I guess, you know, well, that's a, that, not, that's but, a noise. But,
1: kind listen, of- i like, God love the man. I love him. Club legend. I'll have a James Ward Prowse jersey for every year of my life. But when you're not even meeting Southamptons, ask for James Ward Prowse mm-hmm. and you have all this Declan Rice money, what are you doing?
2: Yeah. I mean, this is the, the virtue of, of being the team that, that does that is that is the the, the seller the, the, that is that isn't the seller that is the buyer of the hundred five million dollar player because or pound player because once a team ends up with that f- sum it's just especially in the Premier League you know where do you go everyone knows you have all this cash switching around and uh, I don't really know what, what West Ham is doing um and yeah they they're gonna have a difficult season probably um the other team that probably could go down is Nottingham Forest because they're a mess oh my and, god uh, why'd
1: you and- sell Matt Turner there
0: then? Be nice to the American. We need a one goalie.
2: He'll get, he'll, he'll, he'll get a lot of work and he'll look good.
0: <laughs> Nottingham Forest is a bit of a mess. They have a couple yeah. good players,
1: um, but how dare it. you speak poorly of your mom's favorite team?
0: She's. We're going to see them. We have to. Just how like, did oh, she it. end
2: up with Nottingham Forest? Was she a, was she a, was she a bandwagon fan in the eighties or seventies?
0: No, literally last year she broke her ankle, <laughs> <laughs> and. Uh, she had to. We were trying to get her to watch soccer, and then they beat Liverpool in the game she watched, and she was like, "Oh, their name's the Trees. I love it." And then she joined every Facebook group. Now she knows all the players. She follows everybody. She's a shit poster online. It's a whole thing. Yeah, that's amazing. It's it's freaking crazy. She's like, "We have to go to Nottingham. We can see this, this, and this." She's obsessed. I, I don't know what happened. She literally hates sports. And it's the only thing she cares about
2: now. So I mean, the power of the Premier League in the U.S. is is something else. And I think um, the one thing we didn't talk about is. You guys talk about the Big Four, but yeah, the MLS is – it's knocking on the door, uh, except that the way it's nice. Oh, see, th- this know. is
1: where we're going to disagree. Yeah. This is where we're going to disagree. I still don't – I don't think the MLS has any shot of even encroaching the Big Four until they get rid of this dumb salary structure that they have for the league. And the MLS also has to realize that they are a developmental league, and they need to buy young – Americans, young South Americans, young Mexican nationals, young Canadian nationals. They need to realize they are a feeder and they need to build their own stars. I I get that. Everyone's obsessed with what Leo's is doing in Miami. It's great. He's scoring all these goals, but he's scoring all these goals without a television audience because you have to buy a super special Apple package just to watch the MLS. And he's scoring all these goals because there's no competition in MLS for him. Like he's too good to be here. All he's doing is proving this league stinks.
2: I, I think the MLS has a, some big trouble. Game. He's doing this weird Leagues Cup thing. I don't even know what that is. Um, but look, I mean, yes, it's, it's obviously not the same standard as some of the best leagues in Europe. But it is it is getting better year by year. In my opinion, there's way too many teams. And
1: they, oh, God, they yes. Should,
2: they should just figure out a kind of two-tiered structure where there's promotion relegation and relegation. Make it interesting for an American sports fan to experience that. Uh, obviously, they, they won't do that because of you know all the owners and all that and the the way the the league is run. But I think there are ways in which this team, this league could could expand in popularity. It has a, a basis of support, and I think the NHL should be worried uh, about about you know slipping behind the MLS over the years. Look, there's now. I mean, I don't know the veracity of it, but there are rumors today of Mbappe considering a, a one year stint and the MLS, and that would be that would be you know Messi being the MLS is a game changer already. Mbappe coming for a season is, is crazy.
1: Yeah, I I think a good argument can be made that the Premier League itself is actually one of the four big U.S. sports. And if you want to take out mm, baseball mm. or hockey, a good argument can be made. Um, I think people are more passionate. I like, Quite frankly, to me, in terms of television audience, your big three television audiences every year now, we live in this real world where it's the NFL, it's college football, and it's the Premier League. I think even the NBA is falling behind in terms of television audience to what the Premier League is able to do on a Saturday morning in December. But I just, I don't, the, to me, the MLS, I, the league doesn't want to be what it is. And I think the league would be super fun and super interesting if it was full of essentially what Atlanta United did a few years ago, mm-hmm. um, which just bought young, South American, budding stars, promised them if they gave them three good years. They'd finally have a brand name and reputation to then go on to Europe like they want to. And if the MLS, if MLS ever, ever adopts that mindset and essentially becomes what college football is to the NFL, God bless them, then the popularity will take off. But the salary structure to me is way too complicated, way too fra- uh, faulty, and doesn't make any sense in an international market. And then they're j- like, just stop. Messi, not... Messi's the GOAT, so you... He doesn't get lumped into here. Stop buying what Saudi Saudi Arabia is doing the best version of what MLS wishes they could do, where the MLS can't even get Karim Benzema to come over to them when he's still kind of, sort of, in the tail of his prime. Stop doing this old English star. Maybe that'll get people excited for two years. And build your own stars. This is the Sports leagues thrive when you build your own star. That's what makes a league matter. And it's going to be better for the American prospect. If better players at younger ages are brought into this league for them to compete against, but until that happens, I just I really don't think the MLS has any hope of cracking the top five, let alone the top four.
2: But look, maybe what the Saudi experiment will do is is shake up the thinking in a league like the MLS, uh, and that could be the upside for the U.S. You know, I think people have seen how how much of his success bringing Messi is in, and you know they've also had to open up open up some some spending for. Jordi Alba and Busquets to join him. I I think there may be more imagination and creativity now uh, among the people running the league when they recognize the fact that, yeah, there's this giant in Saudi Arabia that's there and we should probably leverage our potential better than we have been. And uh, maybe that's wishful thinking, but I think there's just so much room to grow soccer in this country and the MLS is kind of wasting it.
0: Ishan can't thank you enough. Uh, I think I agree totally with the MLS kind of wasting it. There's a lot to a lot to grow. There is too many teams, and we could go on about this for a while. But let's let's save that for another time. Um, anything you want to plug at this point?
2: No, not really. You know, I'm, I write cool. for the Washington Post. I have a, a foreign affairs column called Today's Worldview. You can get it for free on an, via newsletter. So yeah, I'll plug that. Uh, just sign up for Today's Worldview. You can Google it. Uh, and uh, I, yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on. It's it's always an honor. And uh, go Rangers.
0: Always our pleasure. If I, uh, look, we're only eight short weeks away from yeah. actual hockey. I will, so. I will say this, Ishan, and I, I hope I'm giving you the proper
1: credit here. The only reason I know of anything going on in Niger is because of the work you're sharing.
2: <laughs> well, they stay tuned because there's more happening this week. That's what, I'm, I'm eager.
1: I'm now. I'm hooked. <laughs> you got me. I want to know what's happening there.
2: Uh, it's, Ishan. it's all pretty depressing and sad. So <laughs> uh,
0: that's Carrying that's on the theme. That's... Tends to be the world, my friend. Yep. Tends to be the entire world. We will we will talk to you soon, and we'll talk to everybody else soon. You can follow us on Twitter at Meet or whatever it's called X. I My or blue shirts break. We'll be back next week. Love you guys. Bye. Ishan, just stay. One. Hey, it's the end of the show. This is where I think the NHL Insiders Club for people that subscribe to our Patreon and keep us going all year round. But before I do that, I want to get send a special shout out to our dear friend Dan, who actually co hosted the podcast with us earlier this year and has just had his first child. Congratulations, and I want to apologize straight up to that kid because he is now a Mets and Rangers fan, and he is ready for a life of misery. So congratulations, Dan. Congratulations to your family and your brand-new child who will uh, inevitably have their heart broken over and over and over again. Welcome to the family. Uh, It's good to have another person here to suffer with. Without further ado, here's the other people we are suffering with. Adam Cassidy, Adam Cohen, Adam Cortulo, Adam Keach, Alex Flynn, Alex Garner, Amber Coensberger, Andrew Ronner, Anthony Gray, Anthony Marturo, Anthony Terragata, Ben Waters, Ben Weber, Ben Bennett Lemaire, Bill Alston, Bill Rattel, Brandon Lacos, Brandon Magnum, Breck Ranger, Breck McGinnis, Brian Doyle, Brian Dougherty, Brian Gallagher, Brian Mellon, Brian Farrell, Cassidy Rollman, Chris Finelli, Chris Howard, CJ Stellwig, and Conor P. Damage, Daniel Delaney, Daniel Dezen, David Naraden, David Siegel, Dennis Deitz, Darien, Eric Stagg, Garrett Reynes. Greg talks about the Mets constantly. Greg, Gretzky, Howard McFly, Hayek, waivers, Harrison Haskell, Helvenella, HippieBody9, Ian Rodriguez, Jack Bagley, James Masker, Jerry Marquez, Jason Stumer, Jason Zembrowski, Jimmy Mack, John Hardesty, John Shea, Johnny Thundercock, Jordan, Josh Kessim, Christopher Florida, Kevin Yu, Christoph Berg, Leschik, Gronowski, Lou Giordano, Matthew, Matthew Goodwin, Matthew Kine, Meatball the Cat, Michael Koenig, Michael Bucklaw, Mike Manasku, Mike Posternak, Nate Hannafee, Neil Grover, Nicholas DiNicola, Pavel, uh, Pavel, just my dear friend Pavel, uh, Other Slash, Pascal Perrier, Paul J. Smith, Phoenix Ignition, PJ Sparrow, Pro World 6 Camer, Randy Tester, Swingard, Thomas uh, Tagda, Sheamus, The PK, Tommy Stiglary, Tommy Tedeschi, Tommy O'Neill, Tor- Tony Gregory, Tori from Manhattan, Vinny Barakow, Vinny Hay, E, Win- Will Specter, and Winston, the Golden Retriever. Thank you for making this show possible in the middle of August, and I uh, appreciate that. We'll be back later this week with BSBOT. Hopefully, Lafreniere will sign this freaking contract. Maybe there will be one more transaction, and we'll be up and running in camp soon. So we will talk to you guys then. Love you. Bye.